I am Fishana Hida. And I'm DeFi250. And this is PvP Corner, the PvP podcast that dressed up as a pantomime giraffe rig for Halloween. DeFi, did you play? <laughs> I did not play a single game of Go Battle League. I watched other people play. I did. I watched a couple Twitch streams, and it looks great. But I think I'm gonna wait because now, as we're recording, it is Halloween in the U.S. October 31st. Mm-hmm. If I just wait a couple days, Open Great League's back, and I can just do all my sets on Friday, all my sets on Saturday, mm-hmm. and then we'll see if Claude Zire wrecks everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just to reset for those who might not have listened to the previous episode, DeFi has gotten up to the 2900s uh, in the Great League, but since Great League left the rotation, we're now in Ultra League and Halloween Cup as of this recording. Uh, DeFi was arming and ahhing over whether to play Halloween Cup and risk that ELO or to just wait for Great League to come back. So it sounds like the answer is that you are waiting, which means still no legend for DeFi. Me, on the other hand, I have managed to hit expert in Halloween Cup, but Woo. Uh, <laughs> um, but a typical me, I have started playing around with the team, and my last two, my last three sets have been uh, negative sets. So oh no, <laughs> so like it, it, it is so me. Like the team was working, it was fine, but there were just a few things that I was just having trouble with in the lead. And so I'm like, what if I just tinker with it this way? And oh, if I, if I put this Pokemon in the lead, then it might be better having this Pokemon in the back. And then just the whole team's different by the time we, <laughs> by the time we get to recording each week. Oh, well. All right. So what are you running now? Like what have like, cause we want to try to focus mm. on some more teams and things. What are you running now? Uh, so right now, the, the most recent team I ran was Nitto queen in the lead. That is regular Nitto Queen, um, Greninja, and Marwile. So I decided that uh, Marwile is really good because it beats both fairies and dark types, which not a lot of things can do. And it also beats the uh, poison types generally. It like it's it's actually pretty neutral against the poison types. So like Toxapex will generally beat it because it's got the neutral brine. Uh, as opposed to all of oh, this is Fairy Wind Marwile, by the way, with Play Rough and Iron Head. Um, Azumarill, you need to land like a few uh, Play Roughs or Iron Heads to KO that. It's much better for you if they're not running Hydro Pump, but if they are, then you're in for a bit of a tough time. And yeah, so Marwile can be a little bit um, tricky to use, but I do really like it. And Nitto Queen, I decided to put in the lead instead of what I was using, which was Dragalgy, because I noticed that, check this out, the most common leads for Halloween Cup, they are Carbink, Azumarill, Chargebug, Greninja, and Dragalgy. So, like, three of those Pokemon, Nitto Queen, those, those first three Pokemon, Nitto Queen beats very, very comfortably. Um, Greninja Nidoqueen can beat with shields up, so I think it's just one Poison Fang and the Poison Jabs in between. Um, Dragalgia struggles a little bit, Toxicroak struggles a little bit, so, you know, numbers 5 and 6 are a bit of a struggle, but to be able to beat the four most common leads pretty comfortably uh, so- sounds appealing to me, so that's why I've put Nidoqueen in the lead at the moment. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
I'm trying to think of other teams to potentially highlight. I'm curious. So Zionic's most recent video, do you think you could beat that team? It's a charge a bug lead mm-hmm. with Palosand Ooh. and Carbank. Uh, 100%. So like I said, the team that I'm running at the moment, uh, the Nidoqueen lead, Greninja, and Marwa. The the important thing is winning switch advantage there. So obviously the Nidoqueen will beat the Charger Bug very, very comfortably. The Charger Bug can make it close if it's running Crunch instead of the more common movesets of Exiza and Discharge. But it still is a pretty ha- handy win for Nidoqueen. And then just managing to match up the Marwal against the Carbink, which is a very hard win for Marwal. And what was it? Palisand against the Greninja. Greninja wins that pretty comfortably as well. Um, Greninja will probably need shields against the Palisand. It needs shields against most things. But, um, you know, if you if you maintain your alignment with your Pokemon... You could maybe come out of the Marwile carving matchup with extra energy and and take a shield from the from the Palisand before the Greninja comes in as well. So I think my team would do pretty well against that team. Awesome. Looking at open or not open greatly, looking at the electric mm. cup mm. that will be coming up. Uh I'm looking at past teams that were really popular. Of course, if you have hidden power ground Luxray, you should use that. And you'll win most things. <laughs> so let's look at some things if you don't have hidden power Luxray. I know one team that was really, really popular last season was you run a, lan- a water gun lantern in the front of your team and then an Alolan Graveler and Alolan Golem behind it. I know I at one point ran all three, like I ran a Geodude, a Golem, and a Graveler mm-hmm. just to see if I could. Uh, is definitely an option. I know, I think a Jonkus, I'm looking at some YouTube videos. Jonkus last year ran Fury Cutter Galvantula. Yep. And had Lunge and Energy Ball as the charge move. So a very different move set than like a standard Galvantula with Hisuian Electrode and then the Water Gun Lantern. Water Gun Lantern seems to be very much a staple of Electric Cup teams. And uh, I don't, I don't want to go out of my way and say i like i uh, this is more my fault than anyone else's but uh, i've used the words luxray shadow luxray with hidden power ground is a cheat code for this cup it's not the be all and end all like i'm looking at the matchups between shadow luxray and water gun lantern and in the zero shields the water gun lantern does lose but like it, it does lose all even shields but uh, in the zero shields, the lantern will lose, and the Luxray will have two HP left. So, like as close as you can get, one single water gun would flip that. Same with the two shields, the Luxray will survive with only ten HP left. So, uh, while it you, you can use it to beat pretty much anything in the meta, it's not safe. Safe, like you will need to invest shields in it. So. Um, the, the, keep that in mind if you are planning to run Shadow Lux Ray. Yeah, so maybe like it would be like a safe swap though option mm-hmm. for sure. Like there's it doesn't have a lot of hard counters in the meta. That's right. So it's a good way to try to win switch advantage. So definitely, I think if you have that and the Water Gun Lantern, you're in a really good spot. Um, I know also know PVP Steve did an Electric Cup meta simplified last year. 
and very much kind of had in his square of Pokemon, like his diamond, like Galvantula. There's a Galvantula on top, Water Gun Lantern on the left, Hisuian Electrode on the bottom, <laughs> and then the Alolan Graveler family on the right. And they're just kind of a little... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> kind of a little diamond. Like, that's pretty much all you're going to see. Uh, again, you could see some, like, a spicy little Minin. Minin's fun because it has grass. I think grass not. Yeah. Minin's fun. You might see, you know, an oddball like Togedemaru or, like, a Kanto Electrode. But, like, not super likely. It looks like Shadow Luxray with Hidden Power Ground is actually, it works best as a lead. Because oh, there is, okay. yeah, yeah, because there is, uh, I would have said as a safe swap as well, but yeah, it turns out I'm wrong. Um, it just wins so many of its matchups with shields in hand. So like from a, from a standing start at the start of the battle, you'll basically beat everything or come really close to everything except uh, Hisuian Electrode and Galvantula is actually a pretty decent win. Good to know. Hmm. And that, I think, is a good touch base on the Electric Cup, uh, which we'll run for two weeks. So we'll have the Open Great League and the Electric Cup this upcoming week. And then we'll see the Electric Cup again, but with paired with the Open Ultra League this time, November 10th to the 17th. So the top 10 for Open Ultra League heading into this rotation are Registeel, Shadow and Regular, the Shadow and Regular Steelix, Cresselia, Shadow, Shadow and regular Regirock, Complete Form Zygarde, Altered Form Giratina, Greedent, Verizian, Double, and Shadow Swampert. Now I see one, two, uh, three, four of those 10 Pokemon that we listed that require XL candy to complete. In fact, Double needs to be a Hundo level 50, and I think maybe Greedent comes close to needing to be a hundo. Registeel, I think, needs to be a hundo, or maybe that was before level 50 came in. I think that, like, now you can get slightly lower stats. But that's a lot of XLs, DeFi. It really is. Um, let's take a look at that Greedent with Mudshot, Body mm. Slam, and Crunch. Um, so the rank one is a level 50, 3-15-15. Okay, yeah, so you don't need a hundo. Um, you, you've got some flexibility there. But yeah, what about the Registeel? Registeel, I still don't have one for Ultra League. Mm -hmm. Um, level 50, 110, 15. Ah, there so we go. Okay. Interesting. Well, then, no problem then. <laughs> so easy to get a attack one. One attack <laughs> registeel. Yeah. Piece of cake. What are we worried about? Everything. <laughs> that Steelix is pretty scary, I think. It's got basically G Fisk's typing, which is really scary. Plus a little bit extra bulk and Dragon Tail is a, a really nice balanced move. So is Breaking Swipe as And Breaking Swipe. To spam um and to bait for Earthquake. Because yeah. even if like your opponent doesn't shield it, they're still gonna one hundred percent of the time lose an attack um stage. Yeah, exactly. I there were back in I forgot which cup it was, but I was so or maybe it was just open Great League when I brought in an Alolan Sandslash and they countered with Steelix. If they baited me with a breaking swipe, then like I would have to spend a second shield to not get hit by the Earthquake. It feels bad. 
It feels bad. <laughs> and then from November 17 to 24, we have the Catch Cup. Catch Cup. Yep. It's back. That's what it is. It's Catch Cup. Oh, I want to see if they actually put it correctly in the blog post this time. Okay. Let's read. Let's see if they did it correctly because Niantic currently has not been doing things correctly. So let's... There we go. Only Pokemon that have been caught during this season are eligible. So they did write it correctly in the blog post. It's for the whole season. That, what did they originally say? The previous week? or Yeah. During, <laughs> during this cup is what, <laughs> what they said, but they meant the whole season is what happened last season. They made a mistake and we're like, I think they mean... The whole season. <laughs> I don't think this is what they mean, but this is what they wrote. One of those situations. So if you manage to catch some good Pokemon and build them this season, then this is the cut for you. You get to uh, play around with... I mean, there, there's some... Like, there's a lot of Community Day Pokemon, I've noticed. So I mentioned at the end of last season that I did play some Catch Cup just because I happened to have exactly three Pokemon that I had caught and built from that season so I, I just decided to throw them together because i'd already hit legend <laughs> cough cough <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, i uh i decided to throw them together and see how i went and yeah that that's what i noticed was there are a lot of community day pokemon so you might see a lot of clods eye during catch cup and uh what else have we had carbank carbank like i have it's oh, not yeah, a community we'll a day but yeah, i have yeah. a ton of carbank from this season yeah that's uh, fair especially if you've gone to the um if you've gone to the play Pokemon events, mm-hmm. uh, because Carbink spawns at those. So I have just, from going to these play Pokemon events, for anyone who doesn't know, when you go to a play Pokemon event within the convention center bounds, you get kind of your own special little event where you get bonus dust. Uh, there's lures going at all the stops and there's bonus Pokestops being that show up. Mm. And the spawns there are pretty incredible. So I get like Carbink, Alolan Vulpix, Metatite, like you get all kinds of just really, really good spawns if you go to play Pokemon events. So that's like a shout out because, you know, that could help you during Catch Cup. Yeah, but absolutely. Grubbin was a community day, so we'll see some Charger uh, Bug. Yes. So Swamp It is what I'm seeing here. <laughs> just... Bring your Swampers. Catch a Swampert, bring a Swampert. Guzzlord. If you traded a Guzzlord from this season and could get it under 1500. I think that one might be a bit less common. I'm just, I'm looking at what I've caught. Oh, okay. Like, I'm just looking at my inventory from the past 60 days. All right, well, now, now you got me curious. And a lot of it is that stuff from play Pokemon events. Like, Lickitung- like I have a ton of Lickitung. Well, I'm only going to look at stuff that I've caught and built because I've said in the past I ain't going to spend the Stardust building like a, a, a duplicate of something I've already got. Well, for me, it would be like if I caught it and it's better than what I currently have and this is just an excuse to build it, that's fine. If like if it gives me a reason. Mm, yeah, that's fair. Um, For me, just Charger Bug, that's it. Yeah, for me, like, I'm not going to build, like, a worse Lickitung for this. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely uh, I mean, not. there's so many resources. Yep, Palosand for Halloween okay. Cup. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I caught a Zapdos. 
the Galarian Zapdos with my Master Ball. Oh, nice. I don't think I knew that. Yep, I used my one and only Master Ball on an 11-11-15 Zapdos. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I've talked about fighters that beat Metacham. How about that one? <laughs> it oh, is fighting no, the flying. Galarian birds are banned in play Pokemon, aren't they? They are. Oh, boo. I believe, I believe they're still banned, yeah. Yeah, that'd have to be, surely. But, I mean, that that might be pretty good. You'd have to worry about your lantern. Mm-hmm. What, what other moves does it have? What charge moves does it have? I know it's got counter. It's got Bright Bird, I think. Um, yep, Ancient Power is one of its mm. moves, I know. Um, counter, Ancient Power, Brave Bird, and Close Combat, that's it. Ooh. So it, it only has three charge moves. It's recommended move set is Ancient Power Brave Bird, but Close Combat is another if you want to go, oops, all nukes, <laughs> you could you could do Close Combat Brave Bird for something quite terrifying. It beats, um, if I go Galarian Zapdos versus the Great League, big wins it gets are Pokemon like Registeel, Alolan Sandslash, Diggersby, Umbreon, Bastiodon, Mandibuzz, Lickitung, Swampert, Superior. And this is all I'm just in the looking at twos. its key losses, CTFI. <laughs> what do you notice there? Metacham. Metacham. <laughs> that was it not loses to Metacham. Metacham. Well, wow. Ice Punch. Ice Punch would be super effective. Psychic would be mm. super effective. The counters you're doing to Metacham are resisted. A Psychic does 93% damage if it lands. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's gross. All right, well... I take it all back. Yeah, that was it was a thought. a thought. That's that's what we do here is we is we try and think outside the box and then quickly put stuff back in the box. <laughs> all right. Well, let's unpack. Speaking of boxes, <laughs> let's unpack the in-game events coming up. Uh, just again, recap Dia de Muertos. It starts tomorrow for me. Main three spawns. It's only like a one-day event. It's really, really short. Uh, you have Sableye, your Mask, and Phantom are really the only things you're going for there. But if you like costume Pokemon like me, you know, you'll enjoy <laughs> you'll enjoy the event. Because I like some of these cute costumes that are more than just Pikachu in a little hat. I like like the Senpasu Chill Flower Crowns, I think are very creative and cute. Mm-hmm. So I'm in, I'm down, mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Then you have the Mexico City Safari Zone. Uh, big shout out to Tropius and Haulucha, the two regionals that spawn there. Everything else is a little lackluster. Though I would say those two are the big draw points to go to a Mexico City Safari. Clodsire fish. Let's talk about <laughs> Clodsire Community Day coming up this weekend. So last uh, was it last week or maybe the week before we talked about Clodsire being like a big behemoth that is coming to the Great League specifically. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna give a shout out to a battler named T Wastil who came out on Twitter and said, "Hey." Introducing this into the meta would be polarizing and not good for the Pokemon Go meta. Here's some changes that I'd make to Clodsire to make it worse and make it slightly more like dynamic with its play. And everyone was like, Tiwastel, go away. Delete this right now. Just let the thing be good. And then sure enough, a couple of days later, the changes were discovered. <laughs> so the, the, the people, the community dug into the game file and discovered that the moves pool on Clodsire had been changed. So now 
Instead of Poison Jab, it's been given Poison Sting as a possibility, which means its fast move pool is either Mudshot or Poison Sting. That basically do the same thing, just have different typings. And now it has four charge moves, Acid Spray, Earthquake, Sludge Bomb, Stone Edge, and Water Pulse. That's the main one is Water Pulse has been added in instead of Surf, which is it's like twice the energy almost and uh, probably like the same amount of power as well. So it's like you're having to spend, you're having to build up to 60 energy to throw that Water Pulse instead of 40. So now Clodsire kind of has what Quagsire's problem used to be, which is the, which is the Registeel problem. Yeah. Where your moves that you use, which Clodsire now the recommended move set is Poison Sting, Earthquake, Sludge Bomb. That, like, even with Megahorn that it'll get for Community Day, Earthquake, Sludge Bomb is still better to have that same type of attack bonus rather than having the coverage Megahorn gives you. So... Both of those moves, Earthquake and Sludge Bomb, require a lot of energy, which is why Quagsire was kind of frustrating to use. It's why Registeel is kind of frustrating to use. Uh, when Quagsire got Mud Bomb, which is much cheaper, it makes Quagsire a lot more flexible and a lot more interesting. So Clodsire are losing Surf, losing its kind of like bait quick move is really frustrating for it. And then having a much worse poison fast move but here's why i specifically brought up ty still is because he may have been right in the end like everyone was like making fun of him like oh look at this he makes this one post and niantic listens to that one um and then they nerfed claude's eye but i'm like uh, for ex- just as an example i'm looking at the metacham matchup and it still beats metacham in the zeros and twos and comes very very close in the one shields it's just not as hard of a win and look i haven't gone into it super deep and i i couldn't bring up any examples specifically but i have heard of other matchups where clodzire has a lot more dynamic play with poison sting or mudshot earthquake and sludge bomb and then even the megahorn afterwards like i'm going to give <laughs> ty still a bit of credit there that he may have been right after all yeah <laughs> i like <laughs> that's that's all you need to yeah. say it's just eh. yeah. it would have been fun to just have this new brand new toy that like is shinier than all the other toys yeah, and of course, like people on Twitter were really upset. I did see one meme that I laughed a lot at, which was the yeah. Drake meme, where yeah. like that was very Fragenwagen posted it, and I will admit that I I laughed quite a bit because it was very. <laughs> I found that to be very funny, but I don't really get worked up about a lot of things. That's why people like follow. Like if you follow me, you'll get lukewarm takes. You don't get hot takes. You get very chill, even takes. Uh, that's what I do. That is my brand. So the the middle of the road. So I don't get super worked up, but I can understand people being frustrated, like being excited about like, oh, this is going to completely change. The, the meta is going to be so different. Uh, this will open up maybe some other things. So I can see people being frustrated that that didn't happen and they were mm. really excited about it. I, I, I can empathize with that for sure. Uh, I also see the point of view that like, if you give Clodsire surf and then 
Pokemon Go has a tendency or they have a history of they don't just take the move away. Yeah. I could see that becoming a problem because that's the reason why Lantern yeah. is so dominant because they gave it Surf and now they can't take away Surf. And because Surf is on so many other Pokemon, like you can't change Surf. Like it's very, it's kind of like the argument, like you can't really change Counter because it's it would affect too many Pokemon. I don't know. Like I just... I see I see why both people like I can see why some people were like Clodsire needs to get nerfed and then I can see why people were like let us just have the fun thing. Let yeah, us have totally. the shiny new toy. Like I understand both. I just and, you and know I have to admit I was really disappointed too at these changes. Um, I just want to give kind of credit where credit's due. For sure. Uh again, I'm not going to get worked up either way. I still want to try it out. I still think it'll be fun versus the open Great League meta. You're still like, no matter what, you're still going to lose to stuff like Swampert. <laughs> like, you're still yeah. going to get Hardwell, but it still has some really good wins. Like, still wrecks Registeel, still wrecks Carbank and Bastiodon. You're still going to win against like Shadow Alolan Sandslash, Azumarill, that kind of thing. And yeah, yeah, you beat like, you can still win against Metacham, especially if it's running Power Up Punch. If it's running Psychic, I think that's less of the case. Like with Psychic, it's a much more even matchup, but you win if you're running, um, if the Metacham's running Power Up Punch, if it has Psychic. Yeah. Um, not the case. So I still think it'll be interesting and I still think it'll see some play, just it's not going to be as, it's not going to topple everything, which, you know, could have been fun. That could have yeah. been fun. I would have, I would have been interested to see what that would have looked like, but I, I also understand why they didn't go in that direction, which is why it's kind of like, you know, it would have been nice if they would have just came out with the like this move set initially. Like, don't get people's hopes up. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, um, if you're gonna ra let's just side on the move set initially. <laughs> like, get it right the first time instead of like messing with it after the fact. Let's try that. So, a couple of points I want to bring up. One is going back to your point about taking moves away. Now, they have done that before. So there was. There's been a couple of situations. One where uh, I think Primeape got a move that it shouldn't have, something like uh, some, some, some kind of water move that it shouldn't have gotten. And then there was another situation where Galarian Lanoon got access to Sinnoh Lanoon's movesets. And in both of those situations, Niantic came out and said, look, this was a mistake, we're sorry, uh, we're going to take those moves off of those Pokemon. Any Pokemon that has those moves will we'll now not have those moves. And as compensation, we'll give all the affected trainers, like, you know, this much Stardust, which, you know, I, everyone I heard about was was uh, was happy about that trade-off because it was like 50,000 or something ridiculous like that. Um, That's just, that just shows that they can. Like, I, that they I can, can in the, they can, but yeah. the, both, all, both of those situations were instances where a Pokemon got move, a move that they don't, actually have access to in the main series games and that is a mm -hmm. big no-no by the pokemon company international sure so that's a different thing so yes it's in like they can code that to happen or they just take the move away i'd be more interested to see where like they ban a move like just kind of, instead of a species ban yep. in the go battle league you just ban a move and yep. you can't use the pokemon until that move is tm'd away which would require some some tricky coding, I imagine. 
Probably. But it feels like some uh, it doesn't feel like it should be that difficult. But again, I'm not in a technical expert. That's <laughs> not that's not what I do. That's not and what then, I of course, there's just do. community outrage. <laughs> like if they took surf off of Lantern, like I imagine they'd get a lot of pushback about that. That, that for me is the biggest problem. Yeah, but at the same time, like it would be an interesting way to change the meta. Yeah, for sure. But then it also goes back to your point that you made, I think, last week, where, or may, maybe not last week. Um, it might have been back when we were talking about, you know, meta champs dominance or, or ever presentness in Open Great League was the idea that, you know, if you've spent all that time trying to put together a lantern for your, you know, roster and suddenly it gets made relatively useless by taking Surf off of the Pokemon, then you might be a bit upset. Very true. So it's just, it's a mm. thought that maybe they could do it, but again, they've shown in history that that's not something that they are necessarily interested in doing. And so the other point that I wanted to bring up was maybe like, and again, I bring up a lot of kind of ideas on this pod and like a lot of them aren't super well thought through, but then like talking them out is the is the way that these things do get thought through. Um, so I wanted to throw this kind of past you. Uh, I think maybe the way Pokemon works means there will always be something that is more dominant than everything else and kind of defines the meta. What if instead of trying to make this perfectly balanced meta where everything has play into everything else, because the like you can achieve that. We've got that to an extent now, but the moment you add something else in there, you know, Clodzire being an example of that, then it just topples everything once again. That house of cards falls down and you're you're not in balance anymore. What if we just had this dynamic where we accepted that for these three months, this Pokemon will be at the top of the meta, then at the next seasonal moveset update, they say, okay, now we're going to make it so this Pokemon is... is like They might not deliberately target a Pokemon and say, it's your turn to, to be in charge, but uh, they might you know make all these changes so that this dominant Pokemon is not so dominant anymore that will naturally cause something else to rise to the top and then they just make more changes the next season to cut off that pokemon's influence and then just every every pokemon gets a turn at being the leader so how would you recommend that they do that for metacham or do you recommend that they do it because again you run into that people Mm. spend a lot of time making these pokemon like i think it would be better if some of these pokemon that take forever to make are all like they're always good like they're always Mm. something you can use but maybe not they're the best thing in the world yeah um i I think it'd be really interesting to see what happens if you just straight up swap around the stats of counter and low kick (laughs) see if that see see what that does but uh then you could also like um uh, your your go-to idea was was still probably one of the easiest ones to implement which is just make all the uh, metacham counters more powerful slash make all the metacham targets weaker mm-hmm. that 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 would that would do that and then like it would mean say i don't know sableye might be too powerful for this season we play that for three months and then we make some more changes so that sableye is not as dominating anymore yeah and honestly i think that changes that they made this most recent season were really really good like we've seen different things in the meta like we've seen Gligar enter the meta with 
force. We've seen a bunch of like charge a bug at multiple play Pokemon tournaments. So I think if we just keep having that and we don't have any more boom burst seasons, <laughs> like I think that's kind of what is happening. Yeah. Uh, just it's kind of hard to tackle. Like Metachamps, I think just one of the ones that's harder to tackle. For sure. But I think if we continue to see dynamic go battle league updates each season i think that's i think that's the hope where it gets shuffled around a little bit but like if you built a lick a tongue you can still use it it's not going to become awful yeah if you build an azumarill it's not going to become awful well here's a suggestion how about we lower the multipliers given by same type attack bonus and by super effectiveness slash not very effectiveness. Because at the moment, I think that's a big contributing factor to the whole rock, paper, scissors that can happen in so many different metas is that typing plays such a huge part. Like if you lock an electric type into a flying type, it's it's going to be pretty hard for any of those flying types to do well. Um, you know, superior will beat pretty much any water type and uh, any electric type and uh, or except maybe Zapdos, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, just, just like the easiest way to win at the moment seems to be by getting the typings right and aligning the, your types favorably against your opponent's types. Yeah, it's a little bit of luck can definitely go a long way that way. However... Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they're going to mess with, like, the math of typings because that's also, I think, kind of TPCI territory. They have done it before. They So I think it was, I forget which direction it was, but I think same type attack bonus used to be, like, 20% and now it's 25% or something like that. They have made changes in the past. And, you know, you, you connect it with the the rest of the pokemon world in the rest of the pokemon world there are immunities and we don't have immunities in pokemon go they're just double resisted so i think they can make changes in that regard maybe (laughs) that would be interesting i would have to see like numbers i would have to see the math to see like how that would impact things because you still like type advantage is a big deal in pokemon for sure so you wouldn't want to like do away with it. Um, but all I'm saying though is that we've come up with over the over the course of the last few weeks, we've come up with a lot of different ideas. Now they are just ideas, and they all have different levels of viability, as you've as you've quite rightly pointed out. But you know, some of them you can probably make work. Some of them you can probably implement in uh, little doses. Like if you were to change the the multiplier for same type attack bonus then you might only change it like a couple of percent or or, or something like that um there's a lot of different things that can be done to pokemon go pvp (laughs) but probably probably won't happen that could make this thing so much more dynamic and uh versatile well that was a long tangent when i just wanted to make a quick (laughs) note about quadsire the the bullet point in the notes was a note about Claudesire. Yeah, that's and it. While, Those four words. Well, we certainly did that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
moving right along, let's get the last in-game event real quick, where Tad Bolt and Belly Tad Bulb and Belly Bolt are going to debut in the Festival of Lights event. And I wrote the word meh. <laughs> meh. Cause the prop Belly Bolt has the Pachirisu problem, which is that it doesn't have any coverage moves. The only moves it has uh, for a fast move, it has Thundershock or Water Gun. But then it's charge moves. All it has is electric charge move. Discharge, Parabolic Charge, and Zap Cannon is currently what it's set to debut with. So not having any coverage moves makes it really tough to run. Uh, Fish, you are pointing out that it's slightly less meh in the Ultra League, but still pretty meh. Yeah, it basically, like it has reasonable bulk. Um, it wins against the meta. It's got 30 wins and 19 losses. So that's a win rate of 61%. So that's pretty good. And it's losing to basically anything ground, anything dragon, any anything that resists electric, it loses to. So it doesn't have that counterplay. Typing DeFi. Yes. And then even in the electric cup where it's going to be eligible. So if it runs water gun, you're going to beat Alolan Golem, Alolan Graveler, and some other things. But you know what else runs Rotter Gun? Ooh, Lantern. Don't tell me. <laughs> oh. oh, that's it. Don't tell me. Oh, Defi. <sighs> Too fast. You know what else? <laughs> it is Lantern. So Lantern is going to do what Belly Bolt would do for you, but it's going to do it better because it also has Surf. So I don't see it unless mm. you really want to run something different in Electric Cup. I don't see it being very viable there either. But you know what? This is a prime, prime candidate for one moveset update. Yes. You know, it gets... That could be fun. Yeah, right? It gets like mud bomb and suddenly... Yeah, one move away. Let's maybe do that next week. Let's really dive in one one move away. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Maybe we can really dive down into belly Smelling what you're stepping in. <laughs> I've had one person. The podcast went up a little late. There was an issue on the upload, but one person mentioned they've never heard it before. I still need to hear from more people. <laughs> I think I think it's a Midwesternism. Like okay. I think it's I think it's a Midwest thing. So I'm gonna I'm also gonna try to ask around people in my area. Like, hey, have sure. you heard this before? Because I also, <laughs> if you Google it, like it has search results. So it's I d- I didn't make it up because it's on the internet. Don't, don't go to image search though. Probably not. Probably don't <laughs> want to do that. It makes me think of like farmers and like oh, manure. Yeah. So maybe it is a midwestern <laughs> thing because of the cows and farm work here. Moving on, fish. Tell me about the rest of the festival of lights. So the spawns you want to target from a PvP standpoint are. A Vulpix, or we'll make that like if we were to rate everything A, B, and C, we'll make Vulpix a B because Kanto Nine Tails can have some really niche play. It doesn't do as well now that Lantern is just so common in the Go Battle League and play Pokemon meta, but Kanto Nine Tails can still have a lot of play. Uh, Magnemite, uh, you saw Inadequance use Magnezone to great effect in his most recent tournament. Voltorb for an Electrode. Chinchow, of course. You want to get that lantern. Actually, reasonable for Ultra League, so I've seen. I haven't uh, I haven't built one myself because I'm not a crazy person, but it's, I've seen people get a lot of good success with lantern in Ultra League. And Mareep, 
for an Ampharos, which can have some niche play in uh, Great League. The uh, and no, actually more more common in Ultra League. It's really good in Ultra League, especially with that new brutal swing that it got recently. Yep. And just a note for Lantern for the Ultra League, it's a you would want a Hundo and like yes. best buddy it. Like it's it's definitely it does not get up to twenty five hundred very easily. It does not get up to twenty five hundred. Um, what does it, it get up below. to? Um, let me look, but I know it's not twenty five hundred. I know that for a fact because I caught a hundo this weekend. Um, oh, nice! Because Chinchou is also spawning at Pokemon events. All right, XL Lantern, um, level fifty twenty three fifty seven. So Ooh. definitely want to best buddy it. But it's going to be a thick fish. A like thick you fish. get that, you get that up there. It is going to be incredible. Like lanterns bulky in the Great League. Uh, you get it up to Ultra League with all at level fifty. It will be very, very bulky. Uh, pr- big problem is losing to stuff like Swampert, um, mm-hmm. Cabalian, Barizian, that kind of thing. Even with the water gun, it would probably lose to Swampert because Swampert. I, I think that's where the not quite getting to twenty five hundred would. Uh, be a real disadvantage there yeah and generally you want to run it with spark anyway so from incense for the festival of lies you've got a lolan geodude which a lolan graveler in particular and also a lolan golem uh, have play in restricted cups and also dedene dedene for me defi uh, is a pokemon that is just so close to being there don't tell that to ryan swag ryan swag says it's there Oh, really? Uh, well, I mean, Ryan Swag knows his stuff, so uh, far be it from me to tell him he's wrong, but I do think he's wrong. <laughs> it's, okay. it's a signature Pokemon. Like, and every yeah. play Pokemon event he goes to, he brings this big stuff to Dene. Like, that's his thing. Sure, sure. It's, it's a Pokemon that has really nice typing, but is often a little too glassy to make work effectively. Like it uh, like when i've used it i've had to shield things that i shouldn't have to shield resisted moves true it is i've used it plenty i've used my dna plenty and it is very squishy mm-hmm. uh quickly something else to note about festival of lights it's double stardust double candy for hatching and incense lasts twice as long those are all great things like double stardust when you play pvp like you want to run that all day like get, yeah. get your opportunity yeah double dust so definitely something i can recommend you know getting out there and doing so that's our events section for this week that means we're up to play pokemon and DeFi. we had a tournament in toronto we did and it was exciting it was really a, a story for the underdogs. I absolutely loved it. It was a fun tournament to cast and we had all kinds of really fun Halloween stuff. I did a really fun cosplay that I just enjoyed the heck out of a uh, really, really good time. We carved pumpkins on stream. That was fun. Nice. Uh, the lounge was all decked out for Halloween. It was really, really good. But some of the crazy stuff that happened <laughs> during this event. So if I start off on day one in the group stage, there were some really big names at this event. Wadaj was at this event. Mm. Inadequance was at this event. People like that who are just Jojo Go Go Dancer, in addition to like Dilap Churn. 
Just mm-hmm. people that you hear. Onion Frank. I'm trying to continue looking. Uh, Ryan Swag was there. He can do well, do, do pretty well sometimes. Kevin Saludaris, Rise to Occasion, and almost all of these big names got knocked down in day one and did not make day two. So inadequance. This was one of the first. Like I think he made like eight consecutive top cuts, mm. and this was the first top cut he didn't make which was kind of nutty. Um, <laughs> Nighttime Clasher took his first O2, which was also nutty. Arrow didn't make it nearly as far as I think he wanted to. It was it was wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of these trainers, we saw them on stream, losing like these big kind of storied legends of <laughs> the play Pokemon circuit were losing to people where this was like their first tournament or people that we didn't know as well. Yeah, uh, I want to point out SS Thorn, who is someone in the Palatown PvP server, and I've had some practice against him. He ended up coming second, which I was really proud of him for that. He was it was one of those things where we're like we kept wanting to practice against each other, but kept missing each other. So we were like DMing, like "You free now? No, you free now?" Like back and forth. Um, but uh, yeah, like I was, I was just excited. Like he has been in that kind of lurking in the Palatown space for a while, so I wanted to give a shout out to him. For sure. Like, and I'm going to be going through like the day two stuff uh, and really excited to do so. But just really wanted to point out there were so many people who were newer names to the scene and just did crazy, crazy well. Yeah, it was amazing. I was I did was shocked that Wadaj got knocked out of the tournament. He got knocked (laughs) down to the losers bracket in round two um, and then made a very impressive run through the losers bracket. Um, made it to losers round six uh, and then lost out. But a lot of like two ones, like he wasn't sweeping like crazy. Like we yeah. kind of see him do. Yeah. So it was just different. And then so we get to day two and our day two, JJan 11, SS Thorn, Jacko Loco, Meg Marman, 610 Hero, EJCC 87, That Boy J and Rise to Occasion. Taking a look at where these trainers are from, it's always really exciting to see trainers from like their home country or their home state do really, really well. And we had out of the top eight, four Canadians, in addition to SS Thorne, who I believe lives in Canada, but is from Colombia, uh, I believe is the case. And then mm-hmm. six heroes uh, from Japan, but I think also lives in Canada. And then two Americans, JJ and Rise. So really, really exciting. It was a great tournament. If you take a look at the teams, we had that boy J versus rise to occasion and rise got knocked out on that one in the losers bracket. Uh, rise running a sable eye and Amanda buzz. Amanda buzz went nutty. Amanda buzz mm-hmm. was on five out of eight teams. Okay. So, which was crazy considering how well Carbink's been doing. Carbink's yeah. was on two of the top eight teams, did really well in Lille. Actually, and, but that, then, that's a story that's worth mentioning is that uh, Carbink, like, it, it's it kind of had a uh, delayed coming out party because, <laughs> like, we were all saying, like, oh, the meta's going to change, meta's going to change. And then we just saw no Carbink's for quite a while. But now the last two tournaments, they've been pretty much everywhere. Yeah, so two in the top eight, but they didn't make it very far. They It made it to second place. A carving team took second place in Lille, mm-hmm. uh, but it went out pretty early in day two in Toronto. Sure. Then 
610 Hero versus EJCC. 610 Hero progressed through that tournament. Uh, EJCC ran, had that Carbink team and a Shadow Venusaur, which was kind of unique. Uh, grass types otherwise were superior. And then we'll talk about Magmar Man in a minute. Uh, JJN versus SS Thorn. JJN progressed, knocking SS Thorn down to the loser side. Um, and then SS Thorn ended up winning and making it to the grand final. So kind of your JJN and SS Thorn. But the real story here is Magmar Man 26, who everyone was rooting for. Like you could hear it in the crowd. It was really intense. Magmar Man 26, who ended up taking third place, uh, he made it to the winner's final versus JJan and then ended up losing to SS Thorn in the loser's final. Mm-hmm. His team, Lurantis, Mantine, Amolga, Registeel, Shadow Canto Ninetales, and Shadow Swampert. Everyone on Twitter start, was commenting things like, not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> Magmar Man is the hero that we need in this meta right now. Like, it was very fun. He got so much love and praise, and I think he was really excited. He made it to top 16 with an Alolan Raichu last season. Nice. He loves running spice. Like, four out of six, typically, for him are going to be really spicy Pokemon. And yeah, I am not sold on Amolga. I don't think the Amolga did him particularly any favors in the matches I saw. But Mantine, I think you could make a big argument for Mantine's place in the meta as long as you can avoid Lantern. Like that's the big sticking point. Lorantis also kind of went nutty. So did Shadow Swampert and Shadow Canto Ninetales. Great play. I highly recommend going back and watching either on YouTube on Twitch or on Twitch the day two Toronto regionals with Magmar man 26. It was phenomenal and really, really worth the watch. I've got to, I guess, retract what I said last week, which was that uh, we were talking about how North America tends to uh, not like spice in their food. (laughs) Um, Um, Yep. And that's something I said. And I think I said it, I said it in an interview with Magmar man. Right. That North America doesn't know where the spice cabinet is compared mm. to Europe and Asia Pacific. But Magmar Man found it. And we did a really fun interview. It was me and Alpha Phoebe with Magmar Man talking about like his philosophy on spicy Pokemon, uh, Mantine's place in the meta. Really, really good to watch. So definitely uh, it's in the day two VOD. So be sure to find that. I, I still don't think North Americans in general <laughs> know where spices but magmar man and ss thorn let's talk about jjan versus ss thorn uh jjan ended up winning the grand final there was no bracket reset but it went to game five mm. winners losers and grand finals all went to game five so we got really really good battles really just dis- like tight battles ss thorn brought a clefable and a shadow Dragonair, which was mm-hmm. really really different the heartbreaking thing is that JJN ran a very meta team. <laughs> Superior, <laughs> Umbreon, Gligar, Frostlass, Metacham, and Lantern. Which again, like, it's kind of new to see Superior, Gligar, and Frostlass in there. But for this season, it's meta. Like, that is the meta. Yeah, yeah. So it was disappointing to see the two spice, the two teams that had spice on it lose to JJN. But you have to give credit like JJ did a phenomenal job. He played everything out perfectly. Uh, well-deserved champion of Toronto. It's just, you want 
the underdog. You want the spice to win. But yeah. J-Jan, definitely a deserving champion and very excited to see him play in Honolulu, Hawaii at the end of the season. And I've been seeing a lot. I don't know J-Jan well myself, but I have seen so much love for him on social media. Like apparently... From what I can gather, JJ is one of those people who just gets it done in the background, um, practices a whole bunch, is always there willing to help newer players whenever they can. Um, it's, it's just one of those people that's hashtag good for PvP. Yes, and that's why I don't want to say like, Nothing against JJN, but a lot yeah. of people were rooting for Magmar Man. <laughs> so many people were rooting for Magmar Man. And also SS Thorn being their first play Pokemon tournament. So it had a lot yeah, of like, sure. like a lot of people rooting for the underdog there and the spicy teams. But JJN is quite, is very, very good and definitely deserving. So here's what I will say. So like, I, I think I was a, a little too reductive i guess when i said just like oh north america doesn't do spice um because because like as well as this tournament there are there are there have been many many tournaments this season where everyone's had like a signature pick that is against the clearly defined meta but what i will say is that the north americans lose their ever-loving minds <laughs> when they see spice that i will stick to at least for now is that uh, whenever they see a team that is different from the norm, they're like, wow, what am I seeing in front of me? This person is succeeding in a Pokemon battle without one of these 12 predefined Pokemon on their team. I never thought we'd see the day. Yes, we we love when people run Spice here because it's not very common. You see a lot of teams <laughs> that are very, very meta. So seeing a Lorantis is yeah. just super exciting to play because you can only like especially like as a caster like i can only cast so many like lantern versus metacham <laughs> <laughs> like umbreon mirror match mandibuzz mirror match like there's they get boring look at tongue mirror it gets it gets rough so seeing fun and different is obviously incredibly exciting that boy jay ran a charm alolan nine tails we haven't seen that in a while uh and ended up doing quite well with it i think I don't remember. I think it might have gotten locked on Rise's Sableye at one point <laughs> um, or the Mandibuzz. <laughs> Just deleted it. But yeah, our champion again, JJan11. Huge congratulations to JJan. Again, the the t- the, t- the team, I think, right now for Play Pokemon is Superior, Umbreon, Gligar, Frost, Last Metacham, and Lantern. And really, there's only two more tournaments where that is might be the case, which is mm-hmm. in Poland and then LAIC. Uh, Claude Zire might make a bit of a splash, but currently that's the meta team. That if you're going to go to a play Pokemon tournament, that's that that's what you run, mm-hmm. unless you're going to run Spice. So speaking of upcoming play Pokemon tournaments, what do we have coming up? Well, in November, we're actually taking quite a bit of a break. So we don't have another tournament until LAIC, which is in Sao Paulo, Brazil, from November 17th to 19th. That'll be a 256-person tournament. It'll be really, really fun to watch. I'm excited for it. Uh, I believe it's in a pretty similar time zone to the United States. I think it's going to be a little later because it's further east than where I am right now. but. Mm-hmm not as far as off as like a European tournament. So very interested in that. And then we have Poland 
which is November 25th and 26th, which is, uh, I believe, Thanksgiving weekend in the U.S., and then the same weekend as Poland, we have Brisbane, which is up to 48. We're getting one extra one a week. Woo! <laughs> one more registration per week. Uh, but also uh, Lachlan, who is the host of the Star Piece, which you should check out on the GoCast podcast feed, he messaged me when we did hit 48, and he's like, we get extra points. We get extra championship points. And I was like, I mean, that's great for everyone else, but I was always going to win, so <laughs> doesn't oh, matter that's- for me. You're going to let's record that and then we'll come back and see we need that. That needs to be a little sound bite for when we come back. What is that going to be? November 28th. Well, I'm actually uh, uh, just interested in the idea of like, um, you know, Muhammad Ali, his thing was like, you talk big and you talk big for long enough. Eventually people will start to believe it. And at the moment, I'm kind of in a mindset of if I talk big, I'm of course risking the ridicule of like, uh, you know, if I then do poorly after that, then, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's comeuppance, you know, it's the, it's the cocky guy getting what he deserves. But I think I'm willing to risk that at the moment just to put the belief into myself. And I think eventually everyone else, if I just keep on talking big, um eventually that will sink in i like i'm I'm more convincing myself than anyone else that's the main thing like i last season at worlds i came away from it thinking you know what i was so busy telling everyone yeah i'm not gonna do well i'm gonna suck it's gonna you know i'm gonna face 101 yakoba bitches and i'm not gonna go very far i i think i ended up you know making that a self-fulfilling prophecy so i'm i'm kind of going in the other direction at the moment i i'm i'm I considered making my like Twitter bio, you know, Pokemon Go World Champion 2024. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want to go so far in the opposite direction, and that comes with the risks that you pointed out. But I, I think uh, I think it's worth a shot. Yeah, I was gonna say self fulfilling prophecy is a good word to say. If you hmm. if you want to believe, you want to put that positive out into the universe. I think that's a really good thing. I'm just gonna pick on you anyway. That's what we do. <laughs> All right, Fish, let's leave that. Tell me about December in Play Pokemon, because there's only two. Yeah, we've got Stuttgart in Germany, which is happening on December 9th and 10th. Currently 71 registered for that. I might just go over and win that one too. Uh, San Antonio in Texas happening December 15th to 17th. So heading up to Christmas, there are 50 people registered for that. So that'll be an exciting one. That'll be good. So currently a little bit smaller, but might gain traction over time. Uh, San Antonio is notable. It's because it's quite a, it's near Dallas, uh, near Dallas, Fort Worth, which is the massive airport. But it's like a two hour drive, I think, to get to San Antonio, which is a tiny airport. Right. Uh, I considered competing at it. I thought about it, but there is no way like that airport's too small. I can't get any good flights at the times I would need them. So those are the only two. So two in November, two in December, we're slowing down quite a bit. So maybe Fish and I can get into some of that other content. Also, in the meantime, while we're waiting for Play Pokemon to pick back up in January a little bit faster, send us mail. Like a couple of these mails, like (laughs) Timorap did. 
So let's go ahead and start off with that. Timorap in our mailbag says, hey, Fish and DeFi. Last week, Artemis Dragon had a great question regarding trying new PvP strategies, which led to some interesting answers. I'd like to provide my own input if I may. You may. Let's go. We'll allow it. I'm using a favorite Pokemon. Yes. Anytime a derpy Pokemon is at least somewhat meta relevant, there's a good chance it's on my team. Enter Cradillion Sunshine Cup. It's a total sleeper pick that counters Swampert and Flyer cores and can even put in work against pseudo fighters. Best of all, the way it sways its head and neck while attacking looks like a giraffe fighting, which is both funny and terrifying. Here's a video if you need a reminder on what that looks like. I have seen giraffe fighting before. It's very strange to watch. So Google giraffe fighting if you would like. But yeah, totally. Um, Cradilly, I really <laughs> like as a pick. It's uh, another one of those Pokemon that's like, it probably should be more popular than it is because it is very good. It's tanky and it's got some great coverage. Um, I th- maybe the only things holding it back is like the specific weaknesses Metacham. it has. Uh, yeah, yeah, like Metacham. So it's still losing to Counter. It's losing to Ice. So a lot of those Lolan Sand Slashes and Frost Lasses are going to give it a heap of trouble. Uh, so like it's it doesn't have the most favorable weaknesses but i think so many people are proving to us that like like if uh, alignment is key right if you cannot get uh, a lot of people are making mantine and pelipper work even though lantern is so popular because if your opponent doesn't have a lantern or if they if you manage to avoid the lantern on the opponent's team then suddenly it can do so many good things so i think credilly could fall into that category as well despite the fact that it has a couple more different weaknesses than what say a mantine would have all right continuing on on leading pokemon with long fast moves this made me chuckle uh because on the same sunshine cup team i'm leading Talonflame. personally i don't <laughs> mind running leads with a four plus turn fast move because i will never have to worry about getting locked into a nuke move right away plus it feels great when my opponent throws on or near alignment and i get four or five free turns of energy evil laugh that is true like i personally find it pretty easy to to time against like an incinerate Mm. fast move but some people don't necessarily know that depending on where you are in your elo range and you can capitalize on people not necessarily knowing when to throw during an incinerate animation and just to reset uh for those who might not have heard artemis dragon's email uh, when we read that out it was basically the idea was he doesn't like leading with pokemon with four or five turn moves or anything more than two, I think he said, because it can make you a bit too inflexible. Like for example, if you throw an incinerate on a talent flame and they swap out like right at the beginning, uh, suddenly they get, you know, two wing attacks before you can even respond or, you know, four lock-ons if it's a, a Regirock or a Registeel. So uh, it's really interesting to see this kind of counterpoint where Timurap saying, well, no, I actually like uh, leading with the four plus turn move Pokemon because of this and this reason. Then Timurap continues, what I really enjoy, though, is the interesting move timing and counts. This is specific to Talonflame, but I'm sure there are others, too. When up against a neutral lead like a Gligar or a Vigoroth, I always throw four incinerates. That way, if my opponent throws beforehand, I'll be able to Brave Bird and dip before they make a second aerial ace or body slam and have an energy lead for later. Furthermore, most people know it's three incinerates to each Brave Bird and three, then two to each Flame Charge. But after a Flame Charge and a Brave Bird are already thrown, it's only two incinerates to the second Brave Bird. This catches a lot of people by surprise. I can concur. I've been surprised (laughs) by the second Brave Bird before. 
When it comes to a safe swap, I actually prefer Pokemon with shorter fast moves as they are more flexible and make it difficult for an opponent to get extra farm if they respond with a decent counter. Back to my Sunshine Cup team, I'm running a Vigoroth as a safe swap. The two-turn fast move counter paired with Body Slam Spam is a potent combo, particularly in a meta with a few ghosts and where most flying types are also part normal as well, thus taking neutral damage to counter. As for a new strategy I've been using this season, it's simply quality over quantity. In the past, I'm guilty of changing teams frequently based on content creators or just whatever I feel like. But this season, I've put more effort into researching matchups and identifying possible gameplay strategies for a particular lineup than sticking with it and improving the execution of that team. So far, this has resulted in steadier climbs for me as I've pushed into the 2500s. The two-week metas have been extremely beneficial. As someone who does not do all my sets every day, these longer intervals give me enough time to build a quality team and learn how to use it, which ultimately makes for a more enjoyable GBL experience. That's all for now. Love hearing your voices every week. Keep up the great work. Sorry for the long email. It has definitely (laughs) exceeded five turns. And watch out for Angry Giraffes, Tim Arap. Tim Arap, thank you so much for the email and that last point you made about not changing teams frequently. Mm. That is what I've been preaching. If you want to climb, pick a team that works okay and stick with it. I'm tugging on my collar right now. What does that mean? Tug, oh, like like it's, I'm getting hot under the collar. Like it's, um, I'm starting to sweat. Like I, I feel feel like I'm in the spotlight here. I feel oh, cold. You out. change your teams. Yeah, because I change my team a lot. <laughs> but I think for anyone who's trying to climb consistently, like you're learning, it's it's the way to go. Is learn a team and stick with it. If it if you're noticing that the team is just really, really bad, like you're getting like all negative sets for multiple days, then maybe switch it up. Maybe the meta's changed a little bit. There's like something changed. But in general, 90 percent of the time, if you pick a halfway decent team and stick with it, you'll see steady climbs and you learn it inside and out and you learn exactly what your Vigoroth can tank. You know exactly how much damage your Cradilly outputs. I think that is hugely like. That is the most important thing. And with regards to the two-week metas, I find that really interesting, to be honest, because there are pros and cons to both having it for one week, like a restricted meta for one week, and having it for two. My take is that two-week metas are a little more boring, particularly for like cups that aren't very dynamic, such as an electric cup, for example. But I think they are better for climbing, as Tim Rapp points out. Like Now, the, of course, that's been my experience. If I'm climbing, that means someone else is falling, just by the nature of how ELO works. So this is just from my perspective, but I have found that having a meta in for two weeks allows me to get more familiar with the meta and do better overall by the end of the second week at the expense of a little bit of fun and novelty all right i think that's pretty much it tim Arap, thank you so much again for writing in love being able to have these discussions and we have one more email today from shadow prime 34 hi efficient DeFi. shadow prime 34 here and i had a question that sparked some interesting conversation one of the most recent episodes of BTW, I asked, aside from Annihilate, what Pokemon do you think could delete Metacham from the Play Pokemon meta? And the guys gave some great points as to why it's kind of a staple to the Play Pokemon meta. 
I don't want counter to get a nerf because it hits other fighters, but I was really trying to figure out what Pokemon could show up in the meta and give Metacham a run for its money. We have over a thousand Pokemon now. There has to be at least one that can scare off Metacham, right? I'm curious to know your thoughts. Also, can we hear your best Pikachu impression? Thanks. And may the attack boosts be ever in your favor, even if the leads are not. Shadow Prime 34. Pika Pikachu? <laughs> That's what I got. Um, Mimikyu. I'm disappointed we didn't get Mimikyu, Shadow Prime. That Because I think that would be very interesting. It's a ghost fairy type Pokemon. And I think that would definitely give Metacham a really hard time in the same way Sableye does. But then fairy typing... Because it's a ghost fairy, it's not going to get deleted by something like an Alolan Ninetales with charm. So something something different. And it's not really like super weak to a lot of stuff. Like steel yeah. and poison. Not even poison. Like steel, I think, is Mimikyu's main issue. Uh, but here's the thing. And I think the like Wildcat Dad did mention this when it came up on... Uh, on their podcast that like it's not enough to just beat metacham really really hard it's also got to beat a lot of other stuff too that's how you delete metacham from the meta like for example uh Kofagrigus does spectacularly well against uh, or sableye is even better so it does spectacularly well against uh metacham but you don't see it around because there's so much lickitung that could just beat the pants off of the sableye um and and like there's a lot of examples around like that and there's a lot of examples around like that where yes a pokemon can beat another pokemon really really hard but then it will just lose to another staple so you've got to to be able to delete metacham you've got to have something that beats it really hard but then also beats a whole bunch of the other really big staples like your lantern and your lickitung your uh, superiors, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm trying to think what move sets Mimikyu might be able to run. It's also weak to Ghost, so like it would have the same problem as Sableye being weak to like Lickitung. Right. But the fairy typing instead of the dark typing would be interesting, more interesting, I think. Because it would have uh, moves like Play Rough, Dazzling Gleam, Shadow yep. Ball. Um, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of what fast move. Like, it knows Astonish, but Astonish is not good. Shadow Claw. But then it would have the same issue as Sableye. Right. It knows Charm. Charm Shadow Ball. What's the third evolution of, like, the 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 Hone Edge line? Is it Hone Edge? Or no, Hone no? Edge is um, Aegislash. Aegislash, that's it. What about that? That would be another one that would be very, very good. So let me pull up um, a little bit of what I know about Aegislash. So Aegislash is a steel ghost. So that would be able to fit a variety of different niches in play Pokemon. It would take super effective damage from the Licks, but it would resist the Body Slam and Power Whip from Lickitung. Mm -hmm. And it's so, so bulky. <laughs> It is incredibly bulky. Um, we would have to see again what moves it would run. I believe it can learn. It can learn Shadow Claw. It knows Aerial Ace, Shadow Ball. I've got here on PV Poke Fury Cutter and Psycho Cut. So no fast move pressure. Only like 
energy generation moves. And then charge moves, it's got uh, flash cannon, gyro ball, and shadow ball. So not a lot of variety, but like shadow ball, flash cannon. Is there anything that can like wall that? Like, is there anything that resists both of those types? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, is that, is that, uh, <laughs> porny hard? <laughs> yeah. But like, you're not going to see a, pl- a porny art in the in the really like in GBL or play Pokemon out, outside of like Halloween Cup. So Age Slash could be a thing. We have to see how it does against all the other meta staples. So uh, I imagine it would still lose to like a Swampert. It would uh, it would be really interesting against a Lantern. Um, it would definitely beat the pants off of meta those yoga pants off of Metacham. <laughs> Um, it would probably not be able to handle an Umbreon very well, which is like the thing. Like I see Umbreon around a fair bit, mainly as a counter to Lickitung, which a counter to Lickitung that also does pretty well against Metacham if it's not running a fighting charge move. I mean, if it was running, if it were running Fury Cutter, though, it could still and Flash Cannon, like it would, it could hit back against an Umbreon. Like, it wouldn't oh, do great, but it could, like, it could hit it. It could hit it, um, but the Flash Cannon's only doing a quarter damage to the Umbreon. Yeah, but it's not, like, wall. It's not walled by Umbreon. It's not you know walled, I mean? but it would still be a pretty bad time. So Fair it's enough. losing, I'm, I'm looking here, it's losing every shield scenario except the 2-0 against Umbreon. Fair enough. Ooh, it can learn Sacred Sword. Oh, that would be wild. That would be wild. Don't give a Sacred Sword, Niantic. Um, I'm just looking at like what it can learn in the most recent main series game. Like it mm-hmm. can learn Night Slash. It can learn Ironhead. It can learn like a bunch of like Shadow Sneak and Shadow Claw. King's yeah. Shield would be like its signature move. So I'd be interested to see like what that would look like. Raises defense even higher. Yeah, because in the main series game, um, the user takes a defensive stance while it protects itself from damage. So, like, you can't. I don't think you can attack it when it's in that. And it lowers the attack attack stat of any attacker Pokemon that makes direct contact. Jeez. So if you make contact with it, you you lose your attack stat. That's that could so be interesting. Weird. Is it a, a pseudo legendary in the main series? No. Okay, because it seems real overpowered. I'm looking at like what the pseudo Gumi. Ah, uh, yep, yep. Gumi, Metagross, Garchomp, Hydreigon. Those are so like mostly dragons. Yeah, because pseudo legendary is a fan term commonly used to refer to Pokemon at the end of a three stage evolution line that have a base stat total of exactly 600. They all level up at a slow rate, more powerful than many non legendary Pokemon due to their high base stats. So that's probably my best guess is Aegislash uh, as like what could actually like curb Metacham's influence in the meta. Like one Pokemon that could come in and Metacham's like, I think I'm going to take a break for a while. Mm-hmm. That would be good. I, Mimikyu's another good guess, but I would yeah. agree that Aegislash would, be, would do it better. I just think it would be like Sableye, again, it beats Metacham. Or like like Sableye, it beats Mimikyu would beat Metacham, 
but would have like different issues. It wouldn't have all the same yeah. issues Sableye does because it wouldn't get like hard countered by fairy types. Right. Yeah. So it'd be it'd be a little different. Mimikyu could definitely be something in the meta. It could be interesting. I'm very excited for it to come out someday. And with that, again, Shadow Prime 34, thank you so much for writing in. Right, feel free to write in anytime. We have some achievements to talk about from Pallet Town and the GoCast server. Fish, why don't uh, you go on. ahead? I didn't, I didn't do my Pikachu impression, I guess. Oh, okay. <sighs> Pika! That was cute. That was oh, good. good. Okay, sweet. Thank you. <laughs> I should also mention that uh, Shadow Prime is one of the hosts of the Roundtable Chatog podcast, which is a show that covers Pokemon Go as a whole, um, kind of like what our own main po- GoCast podcast show does. Those two blokes are hilarious. Absolutely recommend you check it out if you're looking for another Pokemon Go po- podcast to put into your feed. Uh, so, yeah, achievements. So... We'd like to celebrate the achievements and milestones of people in the Pallet Town PvP server, which I help run, and the GoCast Discord server. So on Pallet Town, we've got Getsu Fractal, who finished their seasonal timed research and also got a Stardust record of just over 3 million. The Great Waldini hit a new ELO peak of 2406. Fish on a heater it hit Expert. A-Holtz, Cloudy Lee, and Taco Dog 8 all hit Veteran. And on the GoCast server... Jay Engineer hit a peak ELO and leaderboard placement, hitting 3396 and 37th on the leaderboard. DeFi, do you have anything to plug? Uh, Not at the moment. I just kind of have watched this space. I really want to get to the fundraiser I normally do in the fall. I typically do it around my birthday, but I was just so sick and then I was so busy and I didn't want to like lose my voice again. So I'm putting a pause on streaming, but I'm looking at reorganizing my stream space. And after I do that, I'd like to do a fundraiser uh, charity stream. So be on the lookout for that. I will keep all of you updated. And for me, the most immediate thing to plug is uh, it'll probably be done by the time this comes out. No, actually, it probably won't. It's next week, next Tuesday night. So the, um, the, the 7th, I think it is. Uh, US time. So I will be co-hosting Indigo PvP with Sosa Flow. We do these a lot. This is a team format that Sosa is running on his channel Poker Battle Network 1. I will be on with Hurricane Kaz, who I've done a fair bit of work with. We She's like one of our, one of the first people we go to when finding shark casters for gym breakers is Hurricane Kaz, because she is so delightful, very good at what she does. And Sosaflow is always a really fun person to work with. So that will be on the Poker Battle Network 1 channel on YouTube, I want to say. <laughs> or Twitch. It could be one of those two. <laughs> Watch this space. I'll tweet out about it. Um, and that'll be Tuesday night, 5 p.m. Pacific time on the 7th of November. The other thing to plug is Drunk PvP 2. <laughs> So this was a, a thing that I did like months and months ago where uh, I, myself and Dino El Magico from the BTW podcast, we uh, got together on a Saturday night, uh, had a few, and then did our GBL sets. And that was incredibly fun. So we've made it a little bit bigger. We've invited, again, Sosaflow. He's going to come and join us as well. We've dubbed this stream Drunk PvP 2 The Drunkening. <laughs> And, oh no uh, <laughs> yeah it's um look we uh <laughs> there was a big thing made of like the part of the fun last time 
was the idea of we want to do this. We want to do this thing where we're we're doing our battles under the influence, but to a responsible level. <laughs> so it was there was kind of a lot of humor out of let's drink, but not too much. Um, drink enough to have fun with it but also not so much that we're just like stumbling around and slurring our words all the time so um, it's uh it's obviously not recommended for those uh of a certain age but anyone who is like all of our adult listeners we encourage you to come join us and check that out because we do have a lot of fun with it All right. And with that, that is a show. We love hearing your feedback. If you have any questions or suggestions for myself or Fish, you can direct your feedback to pvpcorner at gocastpodcast.com. You can also send us a voicemail or physical meal to the GoCastPodcast P.O. Box. Take a look at the show description for the phone number and the P.O. Box address. In the show description, you can also click on more Fish or more DeepIE to take you to our other projects and ways to contact us. Also, don't forget to have a listen to the other two shows in this podcast feed. The main GoCast podcast will give you news, tips, and community in the world of Pokemon Go. And also, there's the newest addition to the podcast family, Starpiece, where Chris and Lachlan recently interviewed Alfindial. With that, we'll chat next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.